you know the need that they have up before you. Meet those needs in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, Father, prepare our heart and mind to receive your rhema word on this morning. Continue to bless our ears that we will be focusing on what is being said, that it will not fall on the ground. Thank you, Lord. But it will fall in our heart and bring peace to every situation. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. This is a time for us to praise God for what he has done. This is a time to just like open our mouth so that uh, he can fill our mouth with his goodness. Um, And so uh, if there is a praise item in this line, you know, this is a good time. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just thank God for this day. I thank him because for the gift of today. I thank him for new mercy. I thank him because today wasn't promised to to any one of us. There's nothing that we could have done to 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 warrant the Lord's grace and mercy. But it's because of how, how much he loves us that he granted us the gift of, of new life on today. Mm-hmm. And I just thank him for that on today. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes. I give God praise because he's kept us so safe through seen and unseen dangers and and we're feeling good and and I know what it's like to be in pain twenty four seven. Um and and it's just such a miracle that I have no pain in my body. The Lord has just healed my body and that's just such a only from him. Only from him. I can I can remember going to bed with pain in my back. Pain in my back. And now, and now it's not there. I don't know why I'm, I'm echoing. Is that my phone? I need to do something, Cyril? No, no, Miss you're fine. Okay. okay. Um, but that's just a blessing from God, and I and this it's a I can recall um, just being absent from pain and how it felt unusual. It was unusual. Amen. You know, it was just. It was unusual, and I know it's because of God. And just worshiping him as as we're taking communion uh, every Sunday. And as I take communion, I always thank God for the healing of my body. You know, that's, that's and I know that's one of the, the gifts that he gives us through taking communion. And I'm just so grateful. And for just all of his mercy and all of his blessings that he has given us that we don't even um we don't even know, you know, it's just his grace. On uh, yesterday in our interim prayer meeting, 
uh, our own Barbara, Barbara German that gets on, she gave gave us um, um, uh, her her lesson was on the types of grace and the works of grace, and it just brings to your mind how wonderful it is that we have God's grace and mercy. So I just praise God for that. I praise God for his grace and his mercy. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. As, as Mr. Brenda was talking about, like, uh, you know, how she was praising for this day, I was just quickly calculating how many days it has been since I was born. It's 18,705 days, you know. So I was telling you this. 18,750 day of my life, you know. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, mm. You know, each day is a gift, absolutely. Yes, yes Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. Thank hallelujah. you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We'll have to, we'll have to do that, that data with our, with our lives, days and, and lives Thank as well. We're going to have to do that. have to write Amen. my notes. Praise the Lord. Oh, Praise yes. the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope this, uh, this meditation that we are doing on the name of the Lord is a blessing. Um, you know, week after week, you know, there are so many new names that we are learning. And that, that, you know, there will be days that we will not remember the verses in the Bible, but this, these mm-hmm. words, the names of the Lord will come to our remembrance. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a, this guy, um, Albert Einstein, he actually um, has a theory that uh, behind our head is this giant database, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes this is how he proves it. Like uh, you ask somebody um, about uh, an incident of someone's name, immediately it doesn't come up, right? Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, oh, I can I can picture that guy, but I cannot remember that guy's name. Mm-hmm. I can see he's right there, but it's not coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And after two or three hours, randomly that name pops up in yeah. our mind, mm-hmm. right? It's because the brain behind our head is just like a searching through this giant database one line at a time until mm-hmm. it finds. After two or three hours, when it's fine, it just brings it up. <laughs> the same way, I'm praying that, uh, you know, that these names will get so strongly stored in our database. Yes. That God will remind us. Oh, yes. At the time of our need. Mm-hmm. We'll pray for uh, Brother Terry. Uh, you know, I just heard from his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanking for all the prayers, he he, you know, will continue to lift him up in prayer. Yes. Okay. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Any other prayers, I can? I don't. I don't think Lisa's on the phone, but Lisa starts her new job on um, Tuesday. Tuesday. 
Tuesday. So praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. She was so happy on Friday night. Yes, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we start, um, you know, um, into the, the meditation um, this morning. Father, I pray that uh, even these days that, uh, you know, we just like to feel comfortable in our spirits, we just yeah. like to sit and just like to listen to you without, uh, you know, being bothered by anything that is outside our lifestyle, mm-hmm. Father God. Mm-hmm. I just pray that, uh, you know, it's just like a unite us together, even though we are so many miles apart. Yes. Father God, let our spirits be united this morning. Yes. That we would, Father God, just like a glorify and honor you as we lift you up, Father God, in this conversation. God, the Bible says uh, when we open our mouth and praise you, the angels run before the Lord, of course, and write mm-hmm. our name. In the book of Remembrance, Father, I pray this morning for all my brothers and sisters on this line that you will write our names in the book of Remembrance, Father God. Mm -hmm. That we would, Father God, enjoy being in your presence the next hour or so that we start to talk about the glory of you, Father God, the honest of you, the warmness of you. Father God, I pray that you will just like a interact with our soul, spirit, and body. Yes. And to give us the strength that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, for your glory. Amen. 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 Since I have an extra three or four minutes I got this morning, I will start with something that Miss Collett calls it like a joke. Hold on a second. I'm going to help her. The conference has been muted. So there was a conference. There was like a, um, you know, um, the the event that goes on for like a two or three days, you know. And so, in the front row, there was a man, a young man that was sitting, and he was soaking every single bit of the conference. He was well involved. He was just like a, so, you know, involved. Even the organizers of that meeting was just like watching this and saying, wow, this is all the conferences needed, you know, people to just like to soak in all that they can. So after two days of conference, a bishop comes to this man and says, like, you have been so involved and so soaking the last two days. I have a request for you to, to, to make. And the man's like, okay, whatever you ask me, do you want a cup of coffee or a tea? I'll go get him. And the, the bishop said, no, no, no. The next speaker was supposed to come. You know, he didn't, he didn't show up, and I don't have a, someone that can replace him. But seeing your enthusiasm, you can actually preach this next session. And this man was just like a sweating. He was saying, I'm just a listener. I was just like soaking everything. But the bishop put his hand on him and said, trust in the Lord. He will give you what you are supposed to speak. Okay. Then the bishop left, and this man just like walked around. 
he was now looking for a Bible. And all over the room, and he's just looking for a Bible and finally found one. And so he opened, and right, you know, when he opened, then, then that, uh, there was like a, a message uh, written down, and the papers were right there. And he read that one part, and it was just so beautiful. So he took the Bible, he took the message, and he preached his heart out on that message, right? And uh, the people were clapping, and they were just like a joyful at this message. And uh, as he was wrapping up, the bishop was just like a roaring, and he was coming to the stage with his face completely red because the boy took the bishop's message, and he just preached on it, right? And so here, the bishop is just like a... I can't believe you took my message and if you preach, I don't have another message to preach. And the boy, the man, put his hand on Bishop and said, don't worry, trust in the Lord, he will speak to you. <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying that is like, it's very easy for us to preach and tell somebody, trust him, he will do it for you. Or it's a very easy to quote the Bible verse to somebody. But when it comes to us in a personal way, it is really hard for us to go through certain parts of our life. Certain, uh, I mean, we know some of these things. Even earlier today, Ms. Katina was talking about like this angels and the, how, uh, you know, when they go to be with the Lord, they will become like an angel. It's really you know, sometimes when we go through it, it's just hard to consume that message, even though that is the truth, right? And so this morning, as we go through this messages, where we're talking about the names of the Lord, we are progressively trying to understand the revelation of God's name. It's not like a God changing his nature day by day. He's been consistent for years and centuries, there's nothing that could change his name. When, when people saw him in the beginning, creating everything through his word, they knew he was a creator God. God spoke and the world came into existence. Over the course, the, the people like Noah, people like Abraham, people like Jacob, people like Isaac, when they saw certain characteristics of God, they just started to name him. Uh, and it's not like they were inventing God. God is who he says he is, right? But they were just like a giving God's name a meaning, like a, the, whatever happened in their life. And so um, today, we're just going to go after another name called Jehovah Sabaoth. Okay, how do we... Already you are having a tough time understanding my pronunciation probably, but so I'm going to say it one more time. Sabbath. Sabbath is like Sabbath. Um, you know the word Sabbath, S-A-B-B-A-T-H, right? After the A in Sabbath, if you put O, o like in orange, Sabbath comes into play. It's S-A-B-A-O-T-H, right? What does it mean? What does this term, Jehovah Sabaoth, mean? It, it, it is a, a military term, and uh, 
it is applied to the company of angels in heaven. Or th this is also the name that was given to the Lord as the Lord of hosts. Or the Lord of heavenly armies. The Lord of the armies is another translation phrase. The, the, the Lord of the heavenly hosts, like by the twinkling of his fingers, God can make the sun, moon, stars, and everything around us, the air, the, 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 the water, everything is under his control. He is the God of hosts. The next time when we see Jesus come, we're not going to see him in a manger. We're not going to see him as a baby incarnated on this earth. He's going to come as the Lord of hosts. He's going to come as the Lord of armies. In the next few weeks, we're going to step into Revelation back again, because that's where we came from, looking at all these names. And you're going to see how, when he comes on that white horse, when, when we see the angels just like a coming on the horses down, down to take what is rightfully his, right? And so this term, Jehovah Sabaoth, means the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies, the Lord of the armies of Israel. The term Sabaoth appears to close to 250 times in the Old Testament. In total, and twice in the New Testament, but there's something special about this name, Jehovah Sabaoth. This, this name appears in four books very repeatedly, out of the 250 times. The, the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, and Malachi are the four prophets. They use this word so extensively. I, I even saw Haggai, um, one of the prophets, use it so, you know, uh, with uh, um, uh, repetition uh, of this word. But the very first time this name appears, it wasn't in one of the books that Moses wrote. We would have expected Moses to use that name because this is a military term. This is a term used in the war. We would have expected Moses to use it, use this, but no. The first time this word shows up, it was in 1 Samuel chapter 1, when Hannah prayed. That's when this word, the Lord of hosts, comes into play. So we'll look at it in a minute. But here's the thing. Sometimes people even, I, I saw this um, um, in, in online, people are asking this question, why does God need an army? Isn't God tough enough? He's the, the Lord of Heaven's army. Why are, the other, why are the other names not enough? You know, why does it, what does it mean to ask like a, he is the Lord of the armies or the host of Lord is the host of our league. The question is, we shouldn't ask like a why instead 
What does this mean to me? In fact, Jesus refers to this at the, you know, um, when he was uh, in the Pilate's court, they asked him about like who he is and uh, they're pounding him. At one point, Jesus says, if only God's going to save me, he would have sent to me the army of angels, the legions, to take me out of this, right? And so God knows that, you know, this, this particular characteristic of God is just available to everyone, and we need to remember that. So how does this apply to me? The Lord of the armies, right? The Lord of the armies applies because oftentimes we are in a battlefield. We are in a war with an enemy. And, and the war with an enemy is so strong. Even Paul says we are not fighting against the flesh and the blood, but against the principalities and the powers of darkness. And we need the Lord of the armies to fight on our behalf. Sometimes it's the fear that we just like to go through in this life requires us to be strengthened to know there is a powerful, almighty God's army that is on my side. And here's the, what we will do today. There are, I, I read in some places and researched this, there are at least 15 different characteristics of this name was explained but I'm going to condense it to four key critical, you know, characteristics of this name. And we will look at the Word of God to just like, a, you know, substantiate that, that, you know, claim that he is Jehovah Sabiat. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of armies. And it just comes in such powerful times in the nation of Israel. This term was used not when Moses was like in his full swing. It was used by the prophets very often when the children of Israel were going through a tough time under the Babylonian captivity or when there were tough times that they were just having famine, or when the kings are getting raided. It was from the, the most difficult times of the nation of Israel is when the prophets were using the name Jehovah Sabiah. And it applies to us even today, because oftentimes we are just like a fighting a battle for the, the peace. We're fighting the battle to just like get our life restored. We're fighting in a battle where we need all the help that we can get. Jehovah Sabaoth, the number one attribute or the number one explanation, the number one characteristic of this name proves that he has the ultimate authority and power over everything. In Isaiah, he says, Isaiah 44, 6 says, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. The, first, the, 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 the prophet is saying that when God, the Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, 
when he speaks, he says, I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. There is, there is this power that, you know, comes when God shows up. And when, when, when you see on TV, the, the, the President of the United States, when he shows up in, in a different country, or even when he comes to a town, that will be uh, uh, like a, a series of cars that goes in the front. There is a series of cars comes in the back, and there's like a motorcade and the, the black cats and the, you know, the, 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 the kind of like, a, you know, guards that go before and after to protect the, the, the president of the United States or the president uh, or the prime minister of, uh, you know, England uh, or, you know, the prime minister of India, when they come, they come with an army of people. But think about it this way. When we call upon the name of the Lord and his presence shows up in your life and my life, it's not going to be just him that shows up. There is an army of hosts, an army of people, army of angels that's going to show up. And he is the God of the omnis, omnipotent. There are three omnis that are out there, omnipotent. That means nothing that he cannot do. Omniscience, nothing that he doesn't know. And omnipresence, there is nothing that you, there is no place that he, it is out of his reach. He is everywhere. And this God of hosts has all three powers, you know, under his belt. And he brings it out. And so when we read in the, you know, we're just going to read today so many of these verses. So it will be partially like a Bible study this morning. Okay. So if you go to First Samuel chapter 17, First Samuel chapter 17, let me give a very quick uh, brief about it. Um, we're going to read from verses 45 to 49. First Samuel chapter 17, 45 to 49. So what is the background? David um, uh, is, is now going to a battlefield. David is about 13 years old by this time. And uh, his father says, your brothers are already there in the battlefield and why don't you take some food? So this young boy is just like taking food and he is going and searching for his brothers who are in the battlefield, right? And when he was going near the battlefield, he hears this taunting of this Philistine named Goliath. And he's taunting his, uh, um, you know, uh, the, the children of Israel. He's just like saying uh, things that was just like a so demeaning and so uh, undermining the power of the children of Israel, he could not take it. So he goes and asks, who is this guy that's just like a thrashing this nation and the God of this nation? And he could not take it as a 13-year-old boy. He was just like, a, you know, fuming from inside. So he somehow finds his way to go and meet with the king, Saul, and uh, he tells the king 
wisest guy, this this man is just taking on the name of the Lord so vain, in vain. Let me take it. Let me let me fight. Let me kill. Let me do something about it, right? And so the the thing is. Uh, when Saul looks at him, he says, like, oh, my God, this is a young kid. He's just like a, you know, new kid in the block. He's just, like, a, talking out of terms. We have, like, all these giant uh, men that, that are in our team that are not able to take down this Goliath. And so he puts upon David all these big armors and uh, like a, you know, the sword and the and the and the and the, and the uh, uh, boots that are so heavy. When David puts it all in, he's like a golly, I cannot even walk. This is so heavy. I cannot even swing my hands. This is not going to work. So he he tells the king, so sorry, I cannot put any of these things. You know, so let me go down as just myself. And so Saul says, okay, do it. And here comes the 45th verse. And David's looking at Goliath, and he said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. I come to you in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defiled, you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you and take your head from you, and this day I will give the carcasses, carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the earth and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly, all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. What was David doing? He was going into this battle not trusting in all of those extra things that he could have put on his body. But instead, he trusted on the Lord of hosts. He knew when he called upon the name of that Lord, when he called upon the Jehovah Shabbat, he knows the God of this universe is going to show up in that battlefield. He doesn't need to carry the spears and the javelin and the he doesn't need to carry or put on the armors upon his body because he was carrying the God of this universe, the Lord of the host before him. I do not know this morning what battle 
you are in. I do not know what the enemy is doing to you. He may be taunting your head this morning. He may be saying to you, you are no good. Give it up. You are done. Sometimes it could be that he is talking so much into your head. And earlier today, Miss Colette said, like a, when, when that you start to pray, the first one that shows up is the enemy in your battlefield. And this is the, the thing. When he speaks into your head and puts the fear into your heart and causes you not to sleep, you and I need to know that we are under the Jehovah Sabiat who controls the heavens and the earth. He is the Lord of hosts. Even the sun, moon, and the stars, and the air, and the water, everything in this earth adores him, and he controls them all. And there is nothing that the enemy has a control over. In fact, he has the enemy on his leech like a dog. He will never let him come closer to you and me to an extent that he would destroy our life. In fact, when it was in the life of Job, when the enemy goes in front of God, God says, you cannot touch him. You can do everything around him. You can do all these things, but you cannot, you know, take his life. Because God has this enemy on his leech. Here is a couple of verses that I want to leave with you in this point. That he is the God of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the heavenly armies. And in Psalm 46, chapter 7, I mean, chapter 46, verses 7 through 11, it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. Can you imagine? This God of that created the heaven and earth with all the armies. He's with us. We don't know what the enemy has, but we know what we have, right? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in earth. He makes war seas to the end of the earth. He breaks the bowels and cuts the spears into two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. There is one more place in the book of uh, Haggai, H-A-G-G-A-I, Haggai chapter 2, verses 4, it says, if not, now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the, Lord, of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Here's the thing, the first point is this. He's not only powerful, he's not only the Lord of hosts, he's not only the Lord of the heavenly armies, but that whole 
attribute of God is with us. There is nothing that can change. When we walk tomorrow into different places, know that his presence is going with you. When his presence goes with you, you're not all by yourself. There will be angels that your naked eyes and my naked eyes will not see, but there are angels around us, the host of angels that are around us. The second attribute that this name reflects is this. Jehovah Shabbat is related or associated with war. God of this universe will not put up with nonsense. In the second Kings chapter 6, we are, we are seeing about this man named Elisha. Right? And, and there was a period in time where there was an uh, Armenian army uh, that was trying to attack. The king of Aram was trying to attack the, the, the Israel, right? He was always planning so meticulously to come and attack, right? And the thing is this, every time he tries to attack this king, somehow when he goes to that place to attack, the king is not there. He would just like a plan, uh, you know, and sketch and just like a do everything, but nothing was prospering for this king. And so he calls upon his, uh, you know, chief of staff and the soldiers, the leaders, uh, and said like, what is happening here? Is there anyone in this room that is tipping the king of Israel? And so at this point, one of the, the soldier says, no, 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 king, even if you are saying something in your bedroom, there is a man in Israel, his name is Elisha, there is a prophet, he tells the king everything, right? And so, this Syrian king, king, uh, you know, gets his entire army to kill the two guys, the prophet and, and his servant, Right? And so this one morning, the prophet wakes up, uh, the servant wakes up a little bit before the prophet, and he goes out and he is looking down from the mountain and he sees this army of people. And so he comes and wakes up the prophet, Elisha, and says, look, look, this army of people that are out there, right? In Second Kings chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, when the prophet slowly wakes up and comes to the, the, the window and he's, he's looking at it and he sees something that the, the servant did not see. And he tells the servant this verse in verses, chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. This is where, it, you know, where the prophet says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And imagine this. Someday, 
when God opens our spiritual eyes to see all the things that are happening around us, what we are going to find is exactly like what the servant found on that day. When God opens our eyes, we're going to see this amazing sight in front of us. That there are a host of God's angels all around us, nothing to fear. When you and I are in God's army, there is nothing that the enemy can do to just like a take us down. There is a song called Jehovah Saber. And this song, I just thought like, you know, how true it is for us to sing every single day because this enemy that we have is like a roaring lion. He wants to put a fear in our heart. He cannot do anything to our life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he's going to use every possible way to get to us. And the, and the song goes like this. It's, you know, when you get a chance, you should just like Google this song as well as, you know, listen to this on YouTube. It's an amazing song. And it says, I shall not, some portion of the song, right? And it says, I shall not fear the arrow by day, nor shall I fear the terror by night. The God who governs angels' army has set encampments around me. Whom shall I fear? The God who governs angels' armies has set an encampment around me. Whom shall I fear? There's nothing that we need to fear. What, we, what you and I are fighting again and again and again, God is reminding us this morning, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Just like what Elijah prayed, we should be praying for God to open our spiritual eyes to see what God has placed around us because he is the God of armies. He is the Lord of armies. He is Jehovah Shabbat. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 31, verses 4 and 5, the Lord spoken to this prophet and said to him, as the lion roars, and the young lion over his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is summoned against him, he will not fear of their voice, nor be disturbed by their noises. So the Lord of hosts will come down to fight for Mount Zion and for its hills, like birds flying about, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will not, he will also deliver it. Passing over, he will preserve it. You and I may not be facing some kind of like a foreign kings coming and fighting over us, or we are not going to be like an under siege, and we may not go through like what, you know, Elijah went through and Elijah's servants went through. But here's the thing. You and I are fighting against temptations. You and I are fighting against negative spirits. 
You and I are fighting against a difficult relationship. You and I are, are, are fighting and struggling at workplace, at, at home, at school. Tell me that anyone on this line doesn't have a fight in this life and that you got everything that you want easily. No, the enemy will never let that happen. But here is the truth. Nothing can take away from the hands of the Lord who is on our side. And, and the whole thing that was happening at this moment in time, that the, the prophet was just like a thinking to himself, why is this servant not able to see what I see? So let me pray so that his eyes will be opened this morning. Let God open our eyes at every time that we run into a situation that's tougher than what we can handle. And that leads to the third point. Jehovah Shabbat applies to our limitations, applies to our extremists, applies to our desperation. There is a point in our life we all have a limit. There's nothing that we can do. Only God needs to show up. Only God needs to handle the situation. There are times that we go to a place where that whatever you have done, whatever you have said, whatever that people have done to you is not good enough. You get a call from the doctor and the doctor says you have a cancer. You call, got a call from a friend that says your job is lost. You, you got a call from somebody that said that your kid is just like a, in an accident or something. That you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, that is so far away. I cannot do anything. I just need God to show up right now in my life. God, this is all I can do. I've done everything that I can. God, I've cried enough. I've made my pillows you know, drenched with my tears. God has done everything. The reason why Proverbs 2 to 6 is surviving so much is because there is a mom out there crying. There is a grandma out there crying. There is a, there is a wife out there crying, saying, God, I've done everything that I can. There is nothing more I can do. This is just like so hard, God, for me to go through. And that was the situation for a woman in, in 1 Samuel, Hannah. She had an ultimate, uh, you know, uh, belittling was at its height. And, and she had like a, this, this moment in her life where everything seems to have lost. Her womb was closed. His, his husband, uh, you know, got another wife. She's just like a popping child after child after child, while she feels like there is no use of me. And she's in her desperation, and she says, God, there's nothing that I can do. And so she goes and prays this prayer. This is the first time the Lord of hosts was introduced. In First Samuel chapter 1, her husband, you know, says like, you know, don't, don't cry, baby everything's going to be all right. Why are you grieving? 
and all these things. He's trying to comfort her. But after dinner, she rose up in verse 9, and, and she went, and, and uh, after finishing, uh, finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, uh, she goes, walks, starts to walk in desperation. Have you ever felt like a, you just have done everything and you're just like wanting to get out of everything and stop, start walking? And that's what happened for Anna. She says, like a year after year, I've done everything I can. I cannot control anymore. She's just in desperation. Nothing is going to stop her at this point. And now Eli, the, the priest was sitting on the seat uh, by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And uh, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow and said, Oh, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the afflictions of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant. But you will you will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon his head. In fact, Eli walks up to Hannah and says, Lady, are you drunk? You know, when will you guys just like stop drinking and come to the, the temple and just like, you know, defile this temple. Why? And she says, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I do not know about what has happened in your life, but I can only speak from my experience. There are times in my life when I swallow my, my my own saliva, it wouldn't go through my throat. That's how much heaviness in my heart would be. There are times that I would just be praying to God and saying, God, I just have done everything I can. God, there's nothing more I can do. There's this, you know, a place of like a desperation. That's what Hannah was having. And she was crying for God to open her womb. There is a beautiful verse in, in the book of Psalms, chapter 84, verses 3, says that even the sparrows have found a home, and the swallow are a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. When I read that the first time, this verse did not make sense to me. What does it mean? Right? How do, how do I connect this to Hannah, right? And so I went to the message version of this thing, and it says, Birds find the nook and crannies in your house. Sparrows and swallows make nests there. They lay their eggs and raise their young, singing their songs in the place where we worship. God of the angels, army, king, God, how blessed they are to live and sing there. What is this verse that's saying? That there is a lot of hosts, there is a lot of armies that is out there, right? But very next to him, these birds, they just like a build their nest around it. 
They build a nest around his presence. They in fact lay their eggs there and they know that by all means those nests are destroyable. Those, those eggs that those sparrows are leaving on that nest is dangerous because there is a prize for that, for that egg. There's like enemies that are coming to take that egg out of him. But, but the thing is this, uh, they, they know when they build a nest around the Lord of hosts, their eggs will be safe. Their, their young ones will be safe. They, they will just be in a place of safety because the Lord of hosts is around this nest. Today, God is host. The Lord of the hosts, the Jehovah Shabbat, is just reminding us that even if there is no help that the world can do, no help your friends can do, no help that the, the nation can do, the government can do, but know this for sure, none of these things, the COVID, none of these things that happen in Africa, none of these things that happen that the you know, constantly we are just bombarded by CNN or Fox. None of those things will ever come to fruition because the Lord of hosts is on your side, is on my side, and we can lay our eggs in the presence of the Lord of hosts. We can leave our young ones around his presence and nothing will happen because the Lord of hosts is in control. The fourth one, we talked about three things so far, that reflects the Jehovah Shabbat. He is a complete control. He is all-powerful. He has a complete authority over everything. Then we saw how this Jehovah Shabbat, right, he is the war hero. He is the warrior. He is the protector. He is a provisioner. He takes control in the middle of our battle. And number three, what we saw with the Hannah, in our desperations, we can call upon the Jehovah Shabbat and we can know for sure our younger ones, the next generation, the, the ones that we don't know how we are going to protect, we can leave under his care. We don't know how to take care of our body or the sickness that God says, I got this, I am the God who can come after your strength is over because my strength is going to take over from here. And the last thing, Jehovah Shabbat assures that he is a supernatural God. We serve a God where the law of gravity has no bounds. God is not normal. He's abnormal. He can control everything. In fact, this prophet Elisha, we read so much about him in the Second Kings. He performed more miracles. Only Jesus in the Bible has performed more miracles than the prophet Elisha. When you read the Second Kings, chapter 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, oh my God, how many times we see 
like God shows up in his miracles. He trusts the Lord so much. There's nothing that would be there. There's the word, you know, in one of those chapters, chapter 4, it's talking about a widow and her son, and they don't have anything. She's the wife of a prophet. And he shows up and he says, like, a go collect all the jars. And he says, like, a, you know, when, he brings all, when she brings all the jars into the room, he says, close the door. And he, she, he's asking her to pour whatever little oil that, he, that she had over all of those different jars. And when there was no jar left, the oil seized. Supernatural miracle. There was a woman, Shunammite woman. She didn't have a baby for years. And he goes and he prays and the woman gets her son. We, we see there was a, a bunch of prophets. They just like ate some food. And that was a poison food. And then he says, and they call upon this prophet and says, oh my God, all these people are sick. The food is poisoned. And he says, like, go take that flour, mix it into this food. And then they were saying, like, he, he was asking them to eat that food. And they were saying, like, we ate that food and became sick. And the prophet says, now eat. Because there is a healing that has already happened to that food. There was this man named Naaman in the, in the, in the fifth chapter of Second Kings. He was the, the leader. He was an army. He was a leader of an army. And he was the, the confidant for the king. And he shows up in, 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 the, in his desperation because he has leprosy in his hands. And the, the, there is like a, you know, a doctor that could have given a medicine or they could have amputated his hands. But when the, he came to Elisha, he says, like a go dip it into that water seven times. The seventh time he came out, supernaturally, his body got healed. So many of them, the floating axe, the blinding Syrians, the famine, there's so many things that happened that, that he did twice the number of miracles than Elijah, his, his mentor. Why? Because in the beginning of the second Kings, he says he serves the Lord of hosts. He knows his God. He knows his God will show up in time of his trouble. How do I apply this? I know that he is Jehovah Shabbat. How do I apply this today into my life? There are four applications that I want to leave with you this morning. Don't mess with him. If God says, don't do it. If God speaks to you in a silent voice and says, don't do it. If God says, like, a, you know, take care of this. If God is talking to you about something, to do it. Don't ignore the master's voice. Don't mess with him. In the book of Malachi, chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 14, it's talking about the offering, substandard offering, that people were just like a cheating on God. When they were supposed to offer the good ones to God, the good animals to God as an offering, they would bring the broken animals, the 
the, the ones that are defiled, and they were giving it, and God was saying, don't play with me. There is, you know, we don't need to fear the enemy, but the fear of God is the beginning of the wisdom. The only fear that is legitimate is the fear of God. When we pray sometimes, it is very natural that we could be manipulating God without reverence. But God is reminding us, saying, I got this under my control. Be natural in my presence. Don't mess, you know, with my powers. Don't ask for something that you want to have a personal gain. Just ask me for the things that I can show up and give it to you because when I show up, nothing can stop me, says the Lord of hosts. The second one, we need to trust him because the Bible says that every promise that he has said will be fulfilled. The Jehovah Shabbat comes with a reputation. That, that we saw last week, uh, you know, when we talk about El Olam, he is uh, the, the God of the ages. He is the God of time. But the foundational thing that we need to remember when we look at all these names is that uh, we need to trust him. Just like how we saw earlier today about this man, the bishop, you know, he was telling easily to trust to this young man while he, it came to him. He wasn't the same. But God is reminding us today that next time you run into a problem, know that for sure. I am the Lord of hosts. I am the Jehovah Shabbat. Joshua, when he was about to cross the Jordan, everybody was saying, this is a land of impossible there are giants in that land. They had to carry that, the, the, the grapes. There were two people needed to carry that, you know, grapes. But Joshua believed in the Lord of hosts. And that's why he came back and said, we can take it, not with our own strength, but with the Lord of hosts on our side. But nobody believed. And that's why 38 years later, when they went into the promised land, God knows the one guy that he can trust is the guy who trusted on him. In the book of Haggai, God says, everything is mine. In verse 8, Haggai 2, verses 8, it says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the reason, later, it says, the temple shall be greater than former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. What am I saying? When we trust in him, we can sleep peacefully. And I know earlier today, Ms. Sarah talked about it. She said, like, I can sleep over all the pain that I used to have. I can sleep now. If you are struggling to sleep in the night because there is something that's bothering you, Jehovah Shabbat is reminding you he's got this under his control. And God is saying, rest 
in me. That's the third point that I want to leave with us. I talked about like, you know, don't mess with him. We have to trust him unless we trust him, you know, like a how a baby trusts their father to take care of him. And number three, we need to rest in him. Now, in the book of Kings, we see another king named Hezekiah. You know, he got a letter from his enemies that they're going to destroy him. And he takes that letter and he goes to the temple and he goes into the presence of God and he holds up that letter and lays it in the altar. And he says to God, nothing I can do. I'm leaving that with you, God. And he went home that night and he slept peacefully. 185,000 Syrians were wiped out that night when this man was sleeping. There were so many miracles in the Bible happened when we were sleeping. When they were sleeping. Some battles we don't have to fight. They are the Lord's. They are too big. Mm-hmm. That's why we need to leave them in the altar. In the final, the, the, the next week or two, we're just going to go back into Revelation chapter 16. It's talking about the final battle. Final battle in a place called Armageddon. Right? There is, there is like going to be two sides that are going to be there. One side is good people. The other side is a bad people. Right? And the, and all of them are assembled. The goods are assembled on one side. The bad people assemble on the other side. They're going to go through the valley to fight. And the next verse, 17, Revelation 16, 16 says they're joining, they're coming together. They're going to fight. This is the final battle. And the verse 17 says, the angel poured out his bowl into the air and the loud voice came from the temple of heaven, from the throne saying, it's done. The battle was there. People were getting ready to fight, and God just like swung his fingers and click. Battle's over. There was no fight that was going to happen because there's nobody that is bigger than God to fight him. If God is for us, who can be against us? The last point you and I can please him, even though we are frail and we continue to mess up. We need to please this God of hosts, the Lord of hosts. That is something that we can do. That is something that you and I can do with little things. We don't need to have like a massive crusade. We don't need to have like a major uh, ministry. We don't need to be a pastor of a church or we don't need to be a deacon leader. All those are good positions to be. But God is looking for us to trust him in simple things, us to believe in him, us to please him in small things. If only you can just remember that the person that you are praying for and call him or if you can just take a food that you have in your hand to give somebody who is just like a struggling. Or, or you can go visit somebody in a prison. Or you can go to a hospital and just like a pray with somebody. Or you can pray for someone that is just in a desperate need. Those are things that you can do and I can do that pleases God. 
It's an act of righteousness. The Bible says in the book of Haggai, when they were coming out of the Babylon, it, you know, they've come out of exile. When they came out of exile, they were all excited, and they were just like a building temples. They were doing things for the Lord. And somewhere in the journey, they just became so complacent. They left everything. They left to people like Zechariah on the floor, and they went away. And the, the, the prophet in the book of Haggai, he's just assembling them together. He was asking them to get together and do God's work that pleases him. And as they were pleasing him, the Bible says, this is the last verse of the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verses 23. In that day, when they were doing all these things, right, for the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the sons of Shealtiel, says the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. He says he will make you and me as a, as a signet. It's like a, in the ring, he's just going to place you and me. Right? For I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. Here's the last thing. I wanted to wrap it up. Jehovah Sabbath. We saw four things of significance. We saw how he is all-powerful. When God brings his army down, there is nobody that can stand before him. We saw how the Lord of hosts, you know, when he is in the battle, when he is in the war, there is a, there, there's a completely, the, the, the trajectory of that war changes its direction. We saw like a how he shows up in our limitations like a Hannah that had no power to just like a move on to the next step. Her womb is closed and God showed up. And every single effort that this prophet Elisha did in the name of the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Shabbat, was supernatural because we serve a supernatural God. Mm-hmm. Imagine this. If this God writes you a letter right now, I, 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 I didn't write this letter. I saw this pastor reading this letter from Jehovah Shabbat. And when he was reading it, I saw the tears flow through his eyes. And it just touched my heart. And I'm going to read that letter that he wrote for his congregation. And, and he said, this is a letter from Jehovah Shabbat. Put your name here as if this letter is coming to you this morning. Dear, and then put your name there. Dear Sarah, dear Fredley, dear Katina, dear Brenda, dear Barbara, dear Susan, dear. Put like, a, you know, Susan all. Put your name, dear, and your name, right? Because this is written personally to you from Jehovah Shabbat. And this is how the letter goes. I am Jehovah Shabbat. The Lord of hosts have always been, will forever be the Almighty God. I will never change as I am. I have complete power over all that exists, the seen and the unseen. 
I'm the God of supernatural. There is nothing, you know, anyone can do. I am not intimidated by your calamities and your crisis. You never fear Satan or any evil spirits. The power of darkness are under my control. There are angels ready to fight on your behalf. I know often you have to play your part, but I promised you to fight for you. I'm the warrior God. I've never been defeated, and your enemies are mine. And for those of you who are tired and wounded and have given up your fight, I urge you to re-engage and remember that when you are at your worst, I am at my best. Therefore, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to attempt hard things with me. You are enough. I am Jehovah Shabbat. Shabbat. I know you by name. You are a part of my plan. Your life has a purpose. Your birth was not a mistake or a mishap. I rejoice at the potential of your life. Don't listen to the voice of the ignorant people who tells you you will never make it. Don't believe their lies, but hold on to my truth. I am Jehovah Sabbath. I can be trusted. I have a perfect track record for the fulfillment of my promises. All my promises. I'm totally faithful. And I cannot fail you. My word is my bond because I am the Lord of hosts. I know what is best for you. My laws, my principles, and disciplines are on the edge to protect you. However, when you rebel and go your own way, I will never stop loving you. I will never reject you. Amen. You will always be welcomed back into the fold because I am who I am. I ask you to honor me and put me first in your life. Remember, I'm not your homeboy. I'm not your best buddy. I'm not the old man upstairs. I am Jehovah Shabbat. Don't mess with me, but rank me among the frivolous. When circumstances overwhelm you, feel free to call upon me. When you feel you have no power to carry or ask of me, because I have plenty to give, I am Jehovah Shabbat. I'm close to you as your own breath. Even with the evidence around you suggests that you might be alone, open your spiritual eyes and see that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Remember, my acknowledged presence makes all the difference. I am Jehovah Shabbat. I love being loved through your worship. It is pleasing to my ears. P.S. You can sleep well tonight because I have everything under control. Hallelujah. When I heard this prayer, 
letter that this pastor wrote, and I was just thinking to myself how true this is. There are days that I have no power, that I I know that there's nothing that I can do anymore of. But I do know now, he is Jehovah Shabbat, a lot of us. Miss Sarah. Amen, amen, amen. Lord God, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, rebellion, or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us for all time, and our desire is to live for you. As we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who will receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life, now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way, we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Amen. The Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we take this bread this morning, know this for sure. What we have in this bread is a representation of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, the Lord of heavenly hosts is just abiding in you and me. Let's take this bread. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. As we take this cup and drink this, remember, his blood is just becoming part of our blood as we become oneness with the God of hosts, the Lord of angels. And a lot of armies is just abiding with you. Let's take the drink. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for speaking mm-hmm. to us today one more time. Yes, Lord. 
God, we perceive you. Mm-hmm. We, we, we reverence you, Father God. Yes, Lord. We give you all the glory and honor. Yes, thank you, Lord. Of who you are and what you have done on that rugged cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, we don't want to leave you. Father God, we don't want to leave the hem of your garment. And we want to hold on to you, Father God. We know in our desperation, Father God, like a Hannah, like the woman that was sick for 12 years. Father, we are holding on to the hem of your garment this morning. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We know, Father, Mm. you can do supernatural things in our life. Father, I pray for everyone that is on this line, Father God. If there is any sickness, Father God, Father God, if there is any Father God, a heaviness of heart. And mm-hmm. Father, if there is anything that is just like a bothering the stains that is in this line, Father God, we pray right now as this bread and the drink that we drank this morning, Father God, will be mm-hmm. a sustaining force to remove and restore our life to the fullest till it's overflowing, Father. Hallelujah. You take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, for your glory. Amen. Amen. The conference has been unmuted. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I I send the email out today, I'll send that letter to you as well. Yes. I have really enjoyed it. And I pray that, you know, if you are in the middle of like something that is like bothering you, I want you to read and know that yeah. uh, he is Jehovah Sabbath yeah. and he is still alive and he still yeah. cares and he still has the power to restore. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Lord, hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.